gently take a deep breath in. Release the breath. And then gently open your eyes. So that's like a mini meditation. And then some, some of you are saying, okay, I've closed my eyes. I'm sitting still. What to do? <laughs> or now what? What, what you're doing, here, open that door. What, what you're doing is uh, allowing yourself an opportunity to um, practice peacefulness, practice stillness. Because 99% of the time, we practice activity. <laughs> we practice movement. See? I mean, 99, even when you go to sleep, you're tossing and turning, you're dreaming. Only a very small portion of your evening do you actually really, really, really rest. You know? Most of the time, it's sort of rocking and rolling. <laughs> so, this whole search for God you know, search for truth, and you can use whatever language you want for the word God. I, I just use the generic word. For, you can say the source, you can say Allah, you can say whatever you want. Whatever, whatever is, represents the highest reality to you. It, it, it's only in the stillness and in the silence is there real clarity. And everything else, <clears throat> your mind is um, a thousand lenses that you're looking through. You have to understand, when you look out into the world, you're looking out into the world based on your personal experience, based on your personal reference. So your reference is you're a woman. Your reference is that you're a particular race. Your reference is that you're a particular body type. Your reference is you're a particular class. Your reference is you come from a particular region. You have to understand, you're looking at the world through all of those lenses. All of those lenses are, are, are manipulating what you see. See? They're, they're not pure, clear lenses of, 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 of realization. So why are all the teachers across the world always telling you to be still? So that all of the lenses that you have before your, your psychic awareness can be put aside so that you can have an, a direct experience of God. And that's why so many of the saints say you have to be naked before God. See? That, that naked before God is referring to the release or the dropping of all of your lenses of perception. I am a man. I am six foot tall. I am a particular body type. I am a particular race. All of those things, they affect what you see in the world and how you re, re, relate to the world. See? So it's, it's only in this learning to practice 
an absolute stillness and then learning how to be comfortable in that stillness because we're not comfortable in stillness we're comfortable in activity because that's our habit base we we habitually move so the teacher says okay sit still for 15 minutes then he comes and says sit still for a half hour then he says sit still for 45 minutes eventually he's telling you to sit still for three hours and you're thinking is he mad <laughs> but you have to understand you've practiced so much movement you know you, you do it unconsciously and and that movement you're looking through all those lenses and relating to the world through all those lenses the teacher understands that you in an innocent way do not see clearly do not experience clearly so everyone has this sort of a visceral notion that there must be something good in the world and then the, the highest magnification of that idea there must be something good in the world well there must be God that's that's in the DNA the, the visceral body of of the psyche of of man to, to say we have an origin and that origin is, is sublime. Um, so we're always seeking one way or the other. You know, we're, we're always seeking a, a, a sense of completion. But we're seeking it unskillfully. And we're seeking it based on sort of the ignorant-based known. <laughs> not not the wisdom based the, the only place you're going to find the wisdom is in the masters and the saints and uh, via their activities in the world the scriptures so in, until you actually turn to those those sources as your as your absolute reference you just, you're lost, you know. You're creatively, interestingly lost. You know, you might be going on 10,000 interesting adventures, but you're still lost, you know. And you think about it, when people pass away, when they lose their bodies, and I've seen many who have passed, they still pass with tremendous confusion. Like, what did it mean? Where am I going? What was, all, what was that all about? I'm afraid. See? There's, there's no clarity in their passing at all. At all. That's rare. Very, 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 very rare. Yeah. You know, in a lyrical way, you can say most people pass with a sort of a cosmic, oh no. Because <laughs> they don't know what's happening. They, they, they really haven't they really, they really haven't seen clearly at any time in their life. So this gets back round the way to this, uh, this question of where am I going? See? Where am I going? It's really important to, to think, 
you know, we have the conventional, where am I going? Well, our parents and our society said, okay, get married, get a job, take care of your family. That's, oh, nothing matter, good. That's the conventional knowledge. But that's what your parents and your society said. What did the saints say? What did the masters say? That's, that's the, the, the great leap that, that, that we have to take. You know, is the family and the job and all of these things foundational? Yeah. Is it important? Yeah. Is it a, is it a place to practice spirituality? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that spirituality has to be informed, see? informed spirituality. You know, uninformed spirituality or uninformed religiousness is fanaticism. See? So you have to be really, really careful. You know, people do a lot of unpleasant things based on their notions of spirituality. So you have to be very, very careful. You know what? When you th when you think of absolute silence and learning how to how to rest in that silence and be uh, profoundly present in in that silence, there's no violence in silence. See, there's no violence in silence. See, and every kind of psychic opposition that arises, you learn to be peaceful, still, aware, unaffected by the arising and falling of whatever degrees of uh, discord are in your psyche. So that when you open your eyes and you go into your life of, of physical action, your life of physical action should be informed by that silence. And if you practice long enough, you, you start to constantly remember, wait a minute, there was no violence when I was sitting in silence, so why am I practicing some kind of violence when I'm out in the world? <laughs> and then you see all kinds of unpleasant behavior and violent behavior going on in the world. Analyze it. Why are they doing that? It's uninformed actions. See? They, they, never, they never experienced a place of peace, a place of, of wholeness. They've only, they've only experienced fractionalism and, uh, and limited uh, perception. So that's what they're going to practice when they open their eyes. You know, they say this against that. that there's always battling counterforces. And there's always one is going to win and one is going to lose. That's in the common mind of man. But in the sanctified mind of man is a completely different experience. In the sanctified mind of man, there's a, there's a constant expansion. There's a constant wholeness. There's a constant sense of oneness. There's a constant sense of beneficence. So when you open your eyes, that's what you start to practice because you're informed by that see so you practice 
based on what you're informed by. <laughs> so, ultimately, in the very beginning, we have to be unpleasantly, ruthlessly honest. It's, un it's unpleasant to say, you know, at the end of the day, when I really think about it, I'm lost. <laughs> Who wants to say that? Everybody wants to say, I am the captain of my ship. You know, I have my hand on the oar and the rudder, and I know exactly where I'm going. That gives us a, a sense of confidence. But then I challenge that confidence with the statement, when you die, <laughs> where's your confidence then? Your, your confidence is like a big, oh no. You know, where's your confidence then? See? If, if you haven't uh, uh, practiced some kind of uh, interior science, science, you don't die with any confidence. You know, you die often terrified because you have no idea what's happening next. You know, you're stepping from a known chaos to a flat-out unknown. <laughs> if you do practice uh, some of these interior sciences, uh, that sense of, 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 of fear or trepidation uh, is either partially or completely removed based on your your interior experience. See? The, the yogis want everybody to have significant interior experience so that you live with a type of uh, quiet valor and you also pass with a type of quiet valor. You know, you, you, you pass with a secret smile. See? Because you know it's okay. It's okay. You know, in that in that deep inner silence, and you can put aside the toys and implements of man, bit by bit, the various vessels and dimensions of the kingdom uh, become apparent. They become self-arising. You know, because you are concentrating on chaos, that's what, you, that's what you experience. But when you can concentrate and hold the stillness, then the things that are uh, vibrationally in harmony with that stillness, you become aware of. So bit by bit, as your heart and mind can become still, then the various lokas, the various realms, uh, slowly become apparent, and the various um, uh, deities slowly become apparent, simply because you've calmed your mind down and increased your concentration. It's like uh, getting a better and better antenna. Let's see, in the beginning, human beings have like a very broken, small, modest antenna. So they don't pick up much. They, they, they don't even realize the world they're sitting in is sacred. You know, they think it's some, just something to 
consume, you know, for the grand, for the making their own ego big, as opposed to the the earth you stand on is sacred in and of itself. If if you can learn to sit still, there there is no more sort of hunting for God. It's, it, you sit still and God becomes present. It's there. It's just you, we're so noisy. We're so, so noisy. We're so, so distracted that we're not aware. See? We're not aware. So, we have to look deeply at, at, our, at our own personal search and uh, to see uh, to whom and how we're aligning, what kind of actions we're taking in the world, what kind of association we're, we're manifesting. Um, who you associate is where you're going, <laughs> you know? Look, look at the, the five people you most associate with. See? That's where you're going, guys. You know? You know, you, you found some psychic resonance with, with those souls. Look at their lives carefully. Because their lives are a mirror of you. So if you if you if your five buddies are loving to play pool, well, you're gonna land up in the pool hall. See? So your friends become a mirror of your own unconscious aspiration. And the Dharma teacher's job is to make you aware of that and to, and to ask you to choose very, very carefully your association so that in the end of your days, the, the outcome is a good one. See? You don't land up in the pool hall. <laughs> Which means a wasted birth. You had a hundred years and you wasted it. And I know many, 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 many people who that's their outcome. When they when they pass, it's it's unfortunate. Unfortunate. They they wasted a blessed opportunity. God gave them health. God gave them, you know, uh, intelligence, you know, God gave them the breath of life, and when they pass, a completely inconsequential birth, you know, really, really unfortunate. Um, do you have to become a saint in this life? No. But should you desire to know what sanctity is? Yes. You should cultivate that desire. You know, what is sanctity? And is it true? Is it real? You, know, you, should, you should come to know for yourself, is sanctity real? Or is it just a pleasant myth just to keep people happy? <laughs> you know, we should ruthlessly seek out these types of questions. You, you have to have, in your lifetime, you have to have three to five really, really important questions. You know, don't just live. A dog does that. You know, a squirrel does that. 
You know, you've been given this massive brain. You can actually look into the stars and ponder what that is. You know, I don't think a dog looks up and ponders what the, what the stars are. But man does. Man ponders it and says, what is that? What is the physics of that? What is the origin of that? You know, when did it come to be? Humans think like that. The animal kingdom doesn't think like that. The mineral kingdom doesn't think like that. But humans do. Which means you have this infinite possibility. So you should live with three to five burning questions. If you don't have some burning questions, start thinking about it today. You know? It's because those questions will will lead you forward, lead you forward, lead you forward, and keep you from going on to 10,000, you know, paths of just mundane nonsense. It's not bad, but from the yogic perspective, we call it a dog chasing its tail. The dog is having a delightful time. It's yapping and it's playing and it's running around trying to catch its tail. It's having a delightful time, but going nowhere. <laughs> going nowhere, meaning nothing. So you, say, you don't want to be the dog chasing its tail, you know, happily, joyfully doing absolutely nothing. You were born with so many facilities that you, you, you should create a situation where you consciously evolve. You consciously evolve. You're going to evolve one way or the other, because that's, that's how the divine program is set up. <laughs> You're going to move through evolution. But that is a painfully, painfully slow process, extremely slow. But if you have some significant questions about life, and just as a part of your life process, you and your spouse or your significant other or you as an individual are constantly trying to figure that out along, along with your family and your work and all the things that you do. You can have all that, no problem. But these profound questions, the question itself leads you into a profound life. You know, profound questions lead you into a profound life. So the questions must be there. And then you should seek the answers to those questions. Just like a scientist says, what is truth? A scientist doesn't say, I have to like that truth. The scientist says, what is truth? And whatever is proven, that's what we accept and take the next step based on that. See, we don't we don't say, oh, I want this to be the, I don't I want this to be the truth, so I'll work on that, and then you try to prove your own psychic perception of truth. No. You know, you want to know the truth, independent of your thoughts, your feelings, your history. See. You know, well, Galileo looked into the sky, and said, you know what, everyone's been saying that. All the planets and all the stars and the sun circle around us. And he's looking up thinking, I don't think so. So he was trying to figure out the truth, even though the state itself was saying the opposite. He looked up and said, I want to know the truth. 
and realized, no, 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 this planet Earth is circling the sun. So he was, he was stating a truth, even though the entire society was stating something other than that. And, and he knew that he was correct. See? That's what we have to do. Sometimes the state, meaning your family, your friends, your society, may be saying one thing, but you have to seek the truth regardless of all the other influences and say, what is true? What is so? See? And then hold on to it. <laughs> hold on to it. See, that's what the yogis do. You know, Yogis have a ruthless psyche where they want to know what is. They don't want to know what people said. They don't know I care what people wrote. They want to know what is. Is there a God? Is there communion with the God? What is God's creation? You know, really fundamental questions, you know. It, and you have to cultivate those questions, and then you have to seek out the sources that are also contemplating those questions. So that whether you're rich or poor, you land up living a very, very interesting life because you're thinking deeply. When you look at the world, when you look at society, when you look at nature, you're looking at it in a much deeper way. See, most people are looking at society, life, nature, based on what can I get out of it? <laughs> you know, what kind of pleasure can I receive? What kind of comfort can I receive? What kind of adulation can I... They're looking at it as something they can draw from, as opposed to see into, and see into its nature. See? So, if we all ask ourselves, you know, where am I going? You know, what kind of answers do we come up with when we say, where am I going? You know? well, from the yogi, we, we say to ourselves, well, where am I going? Well, very clearly, wherever my master's feet go, that's where I'm going. <laughs> You know, we know that very clearly. And we, we know that our masters are grace embodied, or the, the kingdom itself made flesh. We know that for a fact. There's no doubt in our minds. So we know that we're returning to, to the primordial spiritual origin of existence itself. Because we've managed to find such souls that the, the, the great divine is very, very subtle. So there's a dispensation, there's a grace that heaven itself manifests by sending the teachers here so that you can sit with them, you can talk with them, you can laugh with them, you can eat with them, you can walk with them. And in, in the process of doing all of those things, there's a constant dispensation of, of knowledge, constant dispensation of, of insight, a constant dispensation 
of a divine hidden Shakti that's being slowly given out, given out, given out, and slowly absorbed, 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 so that your, your uh, heart can be expanded and your insight can become more deep. It's a dispensation. It's a gift. It's a gift. So, in your own life, you know, start thinking about sort of metaphysical questions or questions of life that you want to solve. You know, at least husband and wife, you can say, well, what is true love? You know, that's a good place. You know, what is, what is true love? You know, even amongst a husband and wife, if you ask that question in a very deep way, it'll lead you right to the kingdom. It'll lead you straight there. See? Even with that question, I wrote it in Facebook just the other day. When, when considering uh, or contemplating the nature of love, Love has two types. There's two types of love. One love liberates. One love binds. So you have the two types of love there. A love that binds people and a love that liberates people. Now if you look through society and look through various relationships, you can see that. You know, some love ties a person up and they, they have no expression and they just get bound and bound. You know, it becomes like ropes. And then there's other loves where the, the person gets magnified and magnified and magnified. You know, just like a healthy parent loving a child, the healthy parent loves that child in such a way that that person becomes more confident, uh, more intelligent, more kind you know, more stable in society. Isn't that loving parent liberating the child? <laughs> See? That parent is setting them free to be able to have the strength to live this wonderful journey in life. See? So in the bonds of marriage, that same relationship can be there where you're constantly looking at what's best in that soul and constantly supporting them energizing them, encouraging them to fulfill their greatest possibility, see? And if one and the other are doing that, that, that that's a marriage of liberation, see? As opposed to a marriage of bondage, see? So, you, you, can, you can practice these, these things where, where you start to live with an altruistic heart. You know, we, we look at marriages and we see how much, you know, binding, binding, binding. You're, you're actually making your spouse or significant other smaller and smaller and smaller and, and limiting their, their uh, prospects of expansion as opposed to opening up their prospects of expansion so that they can become full, complete, whole. So we have to look at all of these things. So wherever you are, in whatever circumstance you, you're in, you can still make this grand journey. Again, ask really important questions. 
those questions should be constantly defining your 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 life. I mean, I, I did this stuff sort of unconsciously when I was a kid because I was always asking myself, what what is real? You know, and I also was thinking about, you know, what is God doing? You know, in a child's mind, I was thinking, because okay. you you know you grow up here in America, you have this, you know, uh, Christian society or Judeo-Christian society. Currently, that's going to change. But um, you, you hear all these preachers talking. But I actually thought about it. I, I heard I heard what they were talking about. But I, I actually stopped to think about, you know, you know, what is truth? And I always equated God and truth as the same thing. I, I always looked at them as, as truth and God, same exact reality. So that constant question of, of what is truth, what is real, you know, what is truly uh, significant, was always in my mind. So I was always one thinking about it. But now that I'm an older man, I realize that that pondering that I was doing even as a child led me all over the country, <laughs> led me into all kinds of circumstances, and eventually led me to, to meeting many, many saints. You know, Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I realized that those were the souls who were thinking the deepest about those questions. See? Not the doctors, not the philosophers, not the scientists. It, it was the saints that had the deepest, most significant insight into what is truth or what is God. They had the deepest, most significant insight, the most personal and direct insight. See? So that's what you want to get next to. You have, you have to ask an important question, a, a significant question. And then you have to find people who have, in, who have invested themselves in realizing those questions. See? And that lies with the yogis, the saints, and eventually the masters. And then to acquire a, a body of skills where you yourself can do that investigation. So, so why are you all here with a Dharma teacher? Because the Dharma teacher's job is to teach you about prayer and the mysticism involved in that, mantra and the mysticism involved in that, meditation and mysticism involved in that, and then how to work that through your daily life so, so, so that your life becomes an expression of a mystical journey. Not an expression of, of common life. If you go, if you go and you know, sort of review your friends' lives, you can say, well, how many of my friends are really involved in an insightful way trying to discern the mysticism inherent in life? That's sort of like a flat line. <laughs> Not too many. Not too many. We have people who ever occasionally will go to church and think about God and clap their hands and sing a, a, a song. But 
are they doing it based on fear? Like, I want to clap and sing God's name, just covering my bases, to make sure if things go south, I got a place to fall, which is what churches are full of, as opposed to, what is God? What is truth? And I want to know myself. See that? I think that was the thing that distinguished me um, uh, in my own personal journey. Is that I always had this sense in my belly, I want to know for myself. You know, I'm happy to hear what other people have to say, but I want to know for myself. You know, that, that, that is like the ruthless determining factor in my belly. It's like you hear about Rome, you, and you read these books about Rome, and you hear people, you want to go yourself. You know, you want to go yourself. You want to see yourself. You want to know for yourself. So that's the type of, um, the type of mentality that I would like to in, in, encourage in all of you. You know, don't think that because you're living this life or that life, that is not possible. It's definitely possible. I'm going to tell you for sure, most of the saints that live here and any other place are hidden. And they're working mundane, simple jobs, but living really dynamic lives of personal mysticism. You know, they could be your house painter, they can be your gardener, they can be your restaurant server, see? They can be the nurse in the hospital. And they're living unbelievably dynamic, mystical lives in a, in a relentless approach towards, towards the reality. See? But they're not recognized. People don't have the eyes to see them. See? But they're living unbelievably significant lives. And... Um, from the kingdom side, they're recognized uh, very clearly. They're like uh, flares in a dark earth. See, you know, they're they're points of light, you know, on, on this planet. But most of them are not recognized at all. Not recognized at all. Over time with your own prayers and mantra and meditational practice, you'll acquire a more sensitive heart, a more sensitive psyche, and you can recognize these souls. You can recognize them right away. You can recognize them when you pass them on the street. You know, The average human being can't do that. But it's, it, it's, it's just a matter of sensitivity. That's all. Just That's all it is, is sensitivity. You, you, you're starting to experience the purity of your own heart, and then so when some level of purity passes by, you recognize it. You know? Look, whoa, what's that person doing? They're doing something good. <laughs> See? Hmm. The downside of that is, as you walk past people in the streets, you know, it's like Ghostbusters in that movie, when they, they get slimed. <laughs> <laughs> that happens all the time also. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
you get slime. It's it, it's uh, uh, unfortunately uh, happens a lot. <laughs> you know? But you learn to wash yourself. You just say God's name. It washes off the mud. Yeah. But um, so we have to constantly say, "Where am I going?" Don't sort of live a day-to-day -day idle life. De develop a divine pursuit. You know, just say, "I want to know God. I want to know what that is. I want to experience that personally." You know, and then. You know, like I'm constantly saying, read biographies, read biographies. You know, all these biographies of saints. So many of them were just like you. You know, they, they, they didn't, you know, they, they came from the body of man, you know, doing every kind of job imaginable. So you read these, bi these, these biographies, so you'll see these people and the types of struggles that they had to go through. You know, did their families understand them? No. Did their societies understand them? No. Did they have to persistently struggle through that? Yes. So when when you're saying, you know, I want to find peace, I want to I want to go on retreat, and then nobody understands why you want to go sit in a cabin by yourself, you know, you can realize that all the people who went before you had the same struggle. Had to, had to go through the same oppositions. See? You know, read Peace Pilgrim. You know, something like that. That's an American woman sadhu who in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, 60s also walked through every contiguous state of the Union by herself. Not asking for food unless it was offered. Not asking for a ride unless it was offered. And as an individual woman walked every contiguous state in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Can you imagine that? Walking back and forth across the country through every state in the Union. An individual woman by herself, sleeping on the roadside, sleeping under the bridges, not asking for food. She had a little tiny bag over her shoulder. That was it. The clothes on her back and a little tiny shoulder bag. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the challenge that this woman went through? See, giving everywhere she went with a gospel of peace. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Do you have to do that in this life? No. But should you be investigating the hows and the whys of her psyche? Definitely. Definitely you should be investigating her psyche. What motivated her to do that? And what were her insights, you know, through doing that, through that type of tapasya? See? There's many, many, many like it that you have to make a special effort to, uh, to um, understand their lives. Because they were asking the big questions, and then they were doing the experiments to find out for themselves. This is what made them special. They wanted to find out for themselves. So they sort of were all in. They put themselves on the line. See? And I don't think, oh, I have to jump out and do that. No, no. Bit by bit, you slowly move towards that. See? You slowly, 
And you have to understand, with each soul, heaven is very, very creative. You know, so even sitting at home, learning the sciences of peace, you can do a lot. Don't think, oh, I have no money in my pocket. Oh, I just have a so-so job. That before God, that doesn't mean anything. Even in your own quiet prayer, in your own quiet contemplation, you can do a tremendous amount to help humanity. Tremendous amount. Don't think because your pockets are empty, you can't do much. That's, that's completely incorrect. Just by opening your heart to the kingdom and then allowing that heart to become a, a, a channel of blessings and by sitting there quietly and deeply praying for the welfare of man, you become an agent of the kingdom. And in becoming an agent of the kingdom, you start to have revelation after revelation after revelation. See, You start to know what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom. See? Not a citizen of the human state, but a citizen of the kingdom. But it's the, it's the law of association. You spent all your life associating with common man. Right up until you started to pray deeply, meditate deeply. And then it's a whole different association. And then there's a whole different fellowship that you learn to participate in. See? You know, this is not mythical. This is literal. My, my very job is to, is to help you consciously enter into a higher fellowship, see? a higher mysticism. Where it's just like we can all see each other and chat. In the higher realm, there's no difference. There's no difference. It's just as visceral, you know. But it's just a, it's just those souls who have simply purified their hearts more, and whose hearts are more reflective of the will of God, as opposed to here. People's hearts are reflective of the will of man. And that and that level of confusion, see, just the when you can you, when you can practice higher yoga, you're just associating with beings that their heart is more reflective of the kingdom. That's all. That's the difference, you know. But it's it's just as visceral. It's just as conscious. See, you're you become part of a divine fellowship. See. That's everybody's destiny. It's just a question of when, when you do, when you get there, when, when you start to enter into that fellowship. But it's by reading all these different biographies do you start to see other people before you who are made that quest, see, who have, who have asked themselves, where am I going? And, you know, did a very profound self-analysis of like, have I been wasting my time or am I actually going somewhere? See? Or, or am I just fulfilling the notions of man or am I making a grand journey? You know, you've got health, you've got intelligence, you've got breath. Why not choose the grand journey? Why not choose it? You know, it's like they say when the ball comes to you, when you're playing basketball on the court, take the shot, you know, set yourself up and take the shot, go for it. 
that's what the teachers want you to do. The, the teachers want you to become bold. They, they, they want you to fulfill your greater self, not your common self, your greater self. You know? So it, it's possible. You know, I, I want everyone to walk out the door realizing that along with all the things that you do in life, important and in, unimportant, that in addition to that, you, you can have a life of living mysticism. It's open to you. you know, you, you're not an exception. It's open to you. You, you, just have to, you just have to say, I want to know. And I want to know for sure. And I'm willing to work. I'm willing to take the chance. You know? I'm willing to step out of the box. You've got to step out of your comfort zone. See? That's what you have to do. You know, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend won't understand. They're not willing to step out of the box right now. See? So you just feel it. Okay, it's okay. You know? It's okay. But now you're ready to step out of the box. See? And you come across Dharma teachers because now you're standing on that, that, uh, that uh, borderline. There's a word for that. Fulcrum. Not fulcrum. Threshold. It's, it's like a threshold. Yeah, you're standing on that threshold. That's, that's a good word. Um, where the box and the kingdom. The box and the kingdom. The box and this mystic journey. See? So you, uh, you, you come to that borderline. And, and, and it's up to you to take the shot, you know. You, you have to understand, you, right now you're sort of semi-lucid, semi-awake. So you're around a teacher and you can take some opportunities and you can get some things done. Or you can fall back asleep, see, and go back into the box. The problem is, you don't know how many births you're going to be sleeping in the box again. You know, so that when you're starting to wake up a little bit and you start to go to these satsangs and come around Dharma teachers, that's the time to rush forward. You, you're, you're coming a little bit awake. You're, you've, you've been shaken from your dozing. You're, you're dozing into common life, chasing common things. So that's the time to say, you know what, I should go for it. You know, in, in whatever you do, so start a life of prayer, Start a life of inquiry. Start a life of mantra japa. Start a life of meditation. Start, you know, it, it's putting a fire under you, you know. Eventually that fire will burn everything down and only what's real is left. See, all of, all of the constructs of man have to be burnt down. See, the constructs of man are all based in limitation. See, they're not based on the absolute. They're based on limitation. Limited knowledge built this, and limited knowledge built that. See, not absolute knowledge, limited knowledge. So you gotta, it sounds a little strange, a little, a little scary, that you gotta burn it all down, but you do have to burn it all down. That's why a lot of times people don't like to get next to the Dharma teachers, because we're like fire. You know, we're a hot pot that renders everything down to its essentials. 
to what is fundamentally you. Not all the notions, not all the you know, constructs you made about yourself, not all the myths you've told yourself about yourself. No, we're a fire. We're going to burn it down. So most people run away, you know. But you people are waking up. So you have to learn this, this process of stripping. Stripping, you're just stripping away the notions. The truth will remain. See? And that's what you're after. You say, I want to know the truth. So you have to be willing to allow the various notions to be stripped away so that I want truth, I want truth, I want truth. And you have to associate truth and life. Those two things. Truth is life. Life is truth. That's what you have to really, really, really want in your belly. And then let everything else go and allow truth and light to be present. Life to be present. See? Not your 10,000 notions. So if we look around the world and you say, where am I going? Look at everybody. Just, just look at all of your friends. They're good. We're not saying they're not good. But where are they going? And where are you going? See? Where was Buddha going? Where was Jesus going? Where was Krishna going? Investigate their lives. You know, look at the various saints of all the religions, whatever religion you favor. Look at the saints and ask yourself, where were they going? See? And then say to yourself, well, what about me? <laughs> you know, what about me? Where am I going? See? Again, are we asking the question, the important question? See, that's the thing. So, that... Constant perception, yes, please. Well, can I ask you a question about, like, Jesus asking himself, where am I going? Yeah. I have this, you know, not knowing, but I have this concept that yes. Jesus was, like, just trying to be this antenna, right? And say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go. But I don't think he had this idea in advance, this is where I'm going, right? He just had this idea, this is... I'm gonna. I'm, I want to. I want to serve. But you let me know. You let me know. Is that? Uh, that's actually a very complex uh, question. Uh, and that question, there's actually many answers to it, because there's many <coughs> levels of understanding to that. Um, ultimately, self-knowledge was there. So. He understood his origin. But also you have the Leela, which means um, the divine theater that has to be lived out so that others can see a struggle, a process of solution. See? That's the divine Leela. So is the ultimate self, in the case of a Jesus, is the ultimate self-knowledge there? Yes. But also, while embodied, you have these, these great souls will go through all the stages of man, all the stages of human consciousness to, to demonstrate 
the arc of evolution. Think. So, so there's a great grand theater. So that when human beings look at their life, no matter what stage of humanity you're at in your own consciousness, you can see something in their life and then and see the questions that you yourself have and how they solve those questions. So there's a great theater. They'll live through every stage of the human condition and, and make a divine solution here, and then a divine solution here, and then a divine solution here, at each level of, of man's psychic evolution, showing a problem, a riddle, a challenge, and then a divine solution. And it'll be at, at every gradation. See? So it's a little bit more complex to answer. And it's a, at, so at the least question a, for Jesus is, did, did he know where he was going versus absolutely. do I know where I'm going? Yeah. It's, it seems like there's two separate questions, actually, even though the words are the same. Ultimately, that divine question is in you. Otherwise, all of your seeking, your seeking is based on an unconscious knowing. An unconscious knowing that you are an embodiment of wholeness, but you're wrapped up in a very dynamic dream. Otherwise, you wouldn't seek. The very fact that you seek anything, seek any form of completion, any form of satisfaction, presupposes some hidden knowledge that there is satisfaction, that there is completion. Otherwise, you wouldn't seek. See? So the problem is unconsciousness. And that's what the teachers are trying to get you to be, is to be self-aware. See? Right now, you're not self-aware. You're, you're caught up in a very dynamic psychic projection. Very, very dynamic. And you sort of believe the myth that, or, the, or the story you've woven. You've come to believe it. See? It's not the truth, it's the story you've woven. And the, the Dharma teacher's job is to help you unweave your story. See, T to come back to that fundamental truth that was always with you, but you spun a tale and then you lived the journey within that tale. <laughs> See, so it's an unraveling. That's why sometimes I say it's like burning the house down. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Could you talk about discomfort? Because it seems like part of the waking up process seems really uncomfortable. Like well, that's why people would turn around and want to go back to sleep for a while, right? Well, that's like true. Anesthetizing. The, the, that's true, but a common human life is discomfort. It really is. If you look at it carefully. You know, every time you seek a pleasure or every time you seek a comfort, it's based on a discomfort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't seek it. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not based on a, a completion. It's not. You know, why do you why do you seek uh, uh, physical intimacy, which all the human beings are chasing after? It's based on a on a on an interpersonal discomfort. You know. Why do we always seek to be near something beautiful? See? Because we're uncomfortable in what we're standing in. So we seek to associate with something 
beautiful. See? There's, there's an, always an existential discomfort that all human beings have. See? And also an existential fear all human beings have. See? So, but we try to, we try to form comfort and completion and wholeness because we intrinsically have a seed memory that that's possible. That completion, wholeness, fullness is possible. You know? And that's why we seek. See, otherwise, if we didn't think it was possible, we wouldn't seek it. We simply would just say, this is what it is. And we'd sit in the frying pan and suffer and say, that's life. But we don't. We seek. See? So that's a primordial memory. And the teacher's job is to allow you the opportunity to come to a place of self-realization. To realize the essential self, not the contrived self. See? The essential self. Like, what is Jin? Not, what is Jin's story? But what is Jin? See? So when the teacher is speaking, the teacher doesn't sit there and say, oh, what does Hari Charan think? That, that is utterly inconsequential to me. Completely inconsequential. It means nothing. The teacher quiets himself down and, and only seeks the will of the kingdom. And then they open their mouths. See? Because we realize that that's the only thing that's important. What Hari thinks is just another dream. It's just another dream. See? Amongst 10,000 dreams. But in that silence, there's just one cosmic song. And the teacher learns how to lean into that song and be present in that song. And then when he opens his mouth to sing that song, See? There's no individual song of self, which is what the human beings are doing. See? The, the teacher's job is to sing the song of realization. See? See? To be able to acquire the skill to lean into that. Lean into the reality, not into our infinite dreams. See? So there's complete fellowship amongst all the teachers because they lean into the same cosmic song, see? And then they'll sing the song in your language, in your culture, in the way that you can understand, see? They're, they're, they're like interpreters, see? So if you're French, they'll sing the song in French. If you're Spanish, they'll sing it in Spanish. If you're Chinese, they'll sing it in Chinese, see? But it's one song that they learn to attune themselves and to rest in, to become embodied. And then they open their eyes, they see the culture, and they sing the song. That's, that's what's done. And, and that's why the teacher labors to develop a, a true friendship with you and also to, also to teach you what true friendship is because you really don't know what that is. Most of your friendship, 99% of your friendship is all types of bargains that you're making with each other. 
physical bargains, emotional bargains, psychological bargains. It's just a bunch of nonsense, unfortunate nonsense. A Dharma teacher is your true best friend, definitely, absolutely definitely. They have your highest welfare in mind, and they don't want a thing from you. They don't want a thing from you. They want you to fulfill what you are. That is, and they base their friendship on that. That's it. For you to have a full manifestation of what you are. They have no, <coughs> pardon me, no contrivance, no desiring anything from you. Not at all. Not at all. They're, in developing a friendship with a, a true Dharma teacher, you start to acquire a template of what a real, a real friendship is. And then over time, you, you seek to develop real friendships in the world. Prior to that, you have no idea what a real friendship is. You just don't. You, you absolutely don't. You're, you're unconsciously doing business, whether it's physical business or emotional business or intellectual business, you're trading. I'll do this for you if you do that for me. <laughs> That's what you're doing, guys. It doesn't sound that pleasant. It's life. It's okay. It's what it is. But you can see that the teachers are always teaching various forms of altruism. That, that altruism is helping you to have a, a true basis where when you, you can look into each individual and see something good and support that. You don't have to support all their nonsense or all their rubbish. You don't have to support that. You can see their nonsense for nonsense, their rubbish for rubbish. But you can also see that they're a child of God and try to pray for that, try to labor for that. See? Whether near or distant, always that persistent goodwill, that persistent prayer. See? And that becomes the, the basis of your relationship with other people. When, you know, if you look at the basis of relationships for most people, is it, is it a persistent inquiry and then a persistent effort of goodwill? Or is it, oh, they like me, you know, they praise me, or they can give me this position, or they can give me this intimacy? That's what we're doing, guys. You know? So we, we have to have a place to start. You know, so that the, the yogi teaches you how to be still and then how to have a persistent positive goodwill. That, that, and that's why we talked the other day about 10,000 acts of kindness. See, if, you're, if, you're, if your life is based on 10,000 acts of kindness, where do you have the time to get into mischief? You just don't have the time. See? And then you become like what you practice. See? So that 10,000 acts of, of kindness over time qualifies you for a higher level of awareness. See? A higher level of association. A higher level of intimacy with the divine. Because you're simply more reflective of that, of that reality. See, so that, that notion of 10,000 acts of kindness should always be with you. It, it should be your goal in life. I don't care what job you're doing. 
your goal in life should be 10,000 acts of kindness. See? That it qualifies you. You know, why is it that I know so many saints? I mean, that's not normal. It's not normal. You know, a human being, if they meet one saint in a lifetime, it's like, oh, I'm big, big. You know, it's extraordinary. But if, if you can live this quiet life of persistent kindness, and nobody has to see it, and in general, most people won't see, but just this persistent prayer for the welfare of life itself. And the teacher is very happy to teach you step by step, by step, how to have that persistent prayer and that your, your life over time becomes an embodiment of a prayer. That, see this 10,000 acts of kindness? If you're practicing that as a lifestyle, doesn't your life become a living prayer? See? Your life becomes a living prayer. And then as you can approach the as as you can approach the reality, those ten thousand acts of, of kindness becomes the garment you stand in before the kingdom. Don't you understand? This is what the teacher's trying to trying to prepare you for. See? So these this this kind of mystical life you have the opportunity for it if you take it seriously. If you can break the dream of man and uh, try to acquire the dream of the kingdom. See? So when you say, where am I going? Are you the dog chasing its tail like the common human man, human being? Or are you, are you on the path of the saints, which is the path of ascension? See? You, you, could, you take one or the other, a path of liberation or a path of bondage, see? You say, where am I going? Is, is all the things I'm doing leading to more bondage? Or, or are the things I'm doing leading to liberation? See, those are the two forms of love, bondage and liberation. The egoic-based love, bondage. The solar-based love, liberation. See? Both are, 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 are paths of love. But one, unfortunate, one, sublime. So you must choose. You must choose. <clears throat> you must ask very fundamental questions. Because those questions will lead you into a life, a particular life. See? And then get next to those souls who are more advanced. And please, I'm not trying to be self-grandizing. But when you find a real teacher, get next to them, for God's sakes. Take the opportunity. You know, don't think, oh, this is pleasant, this is sweet, you know, and then go have your latte. No. Get next to them. Learn. Learn the science. Learn the craft. And then go out in the world and experiment. Your whole life becomes your laboratory your laboratory to know God, your laboratory to know life, your laboratory to know the truth. See? Make your life a laboratory. Don't just live. Make it a lab. See? It's, it's possible. See? And then realize you're not alone. There's many other people who, who can, who have taken this journey so you read their biographies, you think, you think, you think, 
<clears throat> you ask more and more questions, and then anytime you find a significant soul, go to them directly and ask 10,000 questions. See? Just ask, ask, ask. Show up. See? Just show up. You, you, you have so much more capacity than you ever imagined. You know, you may live this regular common life, but interiorly, in your heart, you can live a joyous adventure. You can, you can have true intimacy with God. It's definitely possible. Definitely. But you must learn the science. You must pay the price of admission. See? So, does prayer take time? Yeah. Does mantra take time? Yeah. Does meditation take time? Yeah. Does a life of good works take time? Yeah. My folks, that's the price of admission. You, you want the highest reality? You want to know what the face of God is? Pay the price. Pay the price. And if you're not willing to pay the price, be honest. Say, you know, another day, another time, another life. I'm not into that. It's okay. Just be honest. Don't say, oh, spiritual this and spiritual that, and you're, you know, you're living in a ditch. Please. Please. Don't bother. Don't lie to yourself. You know, don't, don't do this. It's, not, it's, it's degrading. See? Just be honest. If you don't want to chase this, fine. If you want to chase this, fine. But if you want to chase this, get next to those who have some level of accomplishment. See? Have some level of association. See? If I want to meet artists, I go next to Sylvia, and she'll introduce me to a hundred artists, because she's an artist, see? If I want to learn engineering, I'll go over to my friend Matthew, and he'll, he'll introduce me to all the engineers. If you want to know saints, get next to Hari, because I know them. See, I, I, I live with them. I'm in that fellowship. I work with them. I serve them. Not to self-grandize, but that's just, I say, find any significant soul. Get next to them. You know? Do the practices. Everybody should be reading the Bhagavad Gita. You know, you have this great dialogue between Arjuna and Krishna, which is also one of the great friendships throughout time. And to see how that friendship slowly came together. And then how the divine knowledge was slowly poured into the disciple. See? Everybody should study the Gita. It, it's, it's, it is <coughs> spiritual, luminous genius. <coughs> Anything you want to know about the spiritual life, it's in the Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita. Just keep studying, thinking, living, reading, reflecting. It'll open up more and more and more. It is the manual, spiritual manual of life. You know? You all have eyes. You all have intelligence. You can all do it. And then ask questions. So that's the thing. You know, where am I going? Where am I going? Where am I going? You know, for all of us, you know, so we don't have the realization of completion. Just say to yourself, I'm heading north. See? 
every step I take, I'm heading north. I don't know when I'll get there, but I'm heading north. See? Eventually, you'll arrive. Step by step, step by step. That 10,000 acts of kindness, which each act, it, it advances you. It qualifies you. See? Allows you to have experience after experience after experience. You know? You'll go through birth after birth after birth, just heading north, see? Experiencing life, making life a grand experimentation of the process of realization, see? And, and over time, you'll live in the company of the saints. You'll serve the saints, see? When you enter into your your inner silence, you will enter into the chamber of saints. You know, you receive your orders and you go do your work. You know, you, you'll, you'll live in a divine fellowship. Whether you're married or unmarried, it doesn't mean a thing. When you close that eyes, you can enter into that quiet fellowship of saints, receives that inspiration, and then you do. And then you, your life is persistently in the service of God. See? Persistently in the service of God, regardless of what trade you're in or job you have, what life, your circumstances, it, it doesn't mean anything. You, you, you live like the life of man, and then you live the life of a mystic. And they're both happening at the same time same time. So it, it becomes a bifurcated life that you live. The life that humans see and the real life that you're in, experiencing in your heart. See? So this, this, is, this is the thing is ask as big a questions as possible. You know, ask yourself, what are the three biggest questions I can ask about life? See? And then try to answer them. Just try to answer them. And get next get next to the best human beings you can. You know? Get next to them. And ask questions. And start out with small experiments. And this is the, the thing of learning how to be humble and obedient. Humans don't like those either of those two words. Humility and obedience. They don't like that. It's unfortunate. That's what keeps them rooted on the earth. <laughs> But by being humble, you allow um, you, you create an opportunity through humility. You, you create the opportunity for grace to, to manifest. And in, in obedience, you learn the divine process. See? You learn the divine process. If there's no obedience, obedience, you learn your your creative process. Basically, you're doing your own thing. But in real obedience, there's no diminishment in sacred obedience. There's expansion. See, you learn the divine process. When you look into the sky and see all the cosmos and what created that, it's it's based on divine laws. And you're simply learning to work with those divine laws so that you can become part of that cosmic experience. See? There's no diminishment. There's expansion 
in divine obedience. See? So a lot of times, as human beings, we think obedience, I'm lesser, I'm smaller, I'm contained. That's amongst the land, the land of the men, human beings, not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, in obedience, there's expansion. See? You learn the process of the kingdom, the process of God. See? And this expansion after expansion after expansion. There's freedom, greater freedom, greater freedom. See? That's the what that's what you experience. So just learn learn these things, that humility and, and that obedience. And then that's why I say you get next to the teachers, because the teachers are living that out. See, they're a template for that, so that you can get next to it and see how they live it out. You know? And then copy. Just copy them. And if you're confused, ask questions. See? Realize that you're in this room because you've acquired enough positive karma to have this type of opportunity. See? So exercise the opportunity. You, you, you didn't just stumble in. You, you didn't just stumble into the room. See, you're, you're sent. And the teacher realizes that you're sent. <laughs> you know, you didn't just, even the baby back there, you know, has a karma to be here. See? So, the thing is, don't be the dog chasing its tail. Ask the big questions. And really think about where am I going? Where am I going? You know, you can say, okay, my father, he lived a life. Where did he go? What was the significance? Did he have what level of realization did he acquire? See? Maybe he's a good person, but what level of realization? What level of of divine insight? What level of communion? You say, well, he got so much. And he had this opportunity. Can I do more? Go for it. Go for it. Don't, don't maintain the limitation of your family. Say, well, they just did this, so I can just do that. No, 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 no. Think of yourself as a rocket. Go for it. Chase it. See? Eventually, you'll find it. See? But do the experiments. Any thoughts, ideas, questions? <laughs> anyway, like when I was with my master, my Guruji is Sankeshavadas, Sadguru Sankeshavadas. For me, it was always like a mining operation. You know, I realized that there was a living diamond mine, a, a cosmic diamond mine from God sitting in front of me. So I was always mining the mine. <laughs> you know, ask this question, ask this process, you know. Or just sit there and look, you know, to see what, what he's going to do. Because there was always something wonderful going on. So, you know, you, you, you have to do that. You have to mine the opportunity. You know, don't just sit there and think, oh, everything's going to drop on my head and like, we can all sing Kumbaya together. No. You work, you work, you work, you struggle. You ask questions, you do experiments, you know, and you, you, you get next to the mind, you know, and even when the mind's, you know, like, like my Guruji, you know, he took Mahasamadhi, 
It doesn't mean that the relationship breaks. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Just all one has to do is sit, concentrate on the teacher. Boom. Again, you know, the intimacy is restored. It's right there again. If Hari is confused about a question, I sit with the question. I say Maguruji mantra. Ask the question. Boom. Information comes. <laughs> it means they're still listening. There's no breach of the relationship. The body, the cloth of the body is left, but the psyche's not gone. Just the cloth of the body is gone. See? You have to learn to enter into those relationships. See? So that you, so that you realize, oh, he lost the body, but see, somehow I can still communicate. Somehow the answers are still coming. When he was there, I'm answering ten, asking ten thousand questions. When he's when he's lost the cloth of the body, I'm still asking ten thousand questions and still receiving the answers very directly. See, so all that was lost was the cloth, not the consciousness. See, where sometimes I'll be sitting and I'll say a prayer. And the entire room fills with the fragrance of the, you know, incense. There's no, there's no incense burning, but all of a sudden the entire room has the, the fragrance of sandalwood. <laughs> I mean, see here, it, it's a love note. <laughs> you know, for, it's a love note from the kingdom. Hari is not unique. This is for everybody. It's just Hari practices the science. You learn the science of communion so that you know for yourself. So I am not concerned with whether people believe me or don't believe me. My job is just to tell the truth. You know, I'll tell the truth and let the chips fall where they will. You know, what you accept and what you don't accept is based on your own consciousness. But I'm just going to tell you the truth. <laughs> See? But if you want to know saints... If you want to know the meaning of communion, get next to those souls who've invested their life in it. So that in your own time, you could be one of those souls who can just sit there and tell the truth. See? Whether popular or unpopular, who cares? Just tell the truth. See? Which means just give people an opportunity. That's what it is. It's giving everybody an opportunity because that's what everybody deserves. See? And then bit by bit, you'll, you'll start to see the hidden saints around you and the hidden yogis around you and the advanced souls around you. As we're now, you're very, very, I'm sorry to say, very, very dull. You don't recognize anything around you. You don't see. But that's a temporary condition. It's a temporary limitation. You know, th those blinders can be washed off. But just prayer, mantra, meditation, read the, read the scriptures, read the biographies of the saints. The blinders, of, of, the blinders of the common mind slowly will fall away, slowly will fall away, slowly will fall away. And you'll live... Um, far more interesting life with far your questions will get bigger and bigger and bigger your experiences of life will get bigger and bigger and bigger your fear in the world will diminish 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 that's what happens see 
Everything changes, really. Everything changes. See? Any questions? Any thoughts, ideas? Yes, ma'am. I don't think I understand what a mantra is. Mantra is uh, a divine utterance. A mantra is a vibrational pattern that exists in heaven. The, the great masters and rishis are citizens of the kingdom. And they can hear these divine songs, these divine energetic patterns. So the, the mantras are realized by the saints, and they bring those various uh, vibrational patterns to earth so that human beings can start to attune themselves with those divine patterns. And those divine patterns are called mantras. See? So by practicing a mantra, it's, it's a path of self-awareness. See? It's a particular energetic pattern that gives you a vision of God, an experience of God, and also greater and greater personal purification. See? So by saying God's name over and over and over, Om Shidama Jidama Jidama Om Shidama Jidama Jidama you're attuning yourself with that vibration. And then that manifestation of Rama, you're experiencing the heart and mind of that aspect of God. See? So it's, it's a path of self-illumination, a path of self-purification. And as you purify, the heart opens, 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 and you have those various experiences. But a lot of purification, a lot of purification has to happen. And that's the mantras are, are, are very powerful for that. In the beginning, my Guruji taught me mantras. I didn't know what he was talking about. I really didn't. I, I did it simply because he told me, and now I would never not do it. <laughs> See? Because over time, uh, the dividends start to manifest in you of what you're gaining by, by saying this utterance over and over and over. See? There's a, a psychic expansion and a psychic purification that happens through mantra, through these sacred utterances of God's name. Sometimes the mantra has a particular meaning. Sometimes it has no oh, meaning in the world, but has an experience. See? There's an experience based on on that vibrational pattern. See? Other questions? Yes, Matthew. I have to say about that, you know, the technical side of this model. <laughs> you know, this is a sound, uh, sound patterns, something like a, uh, like a, like a password. Password to open certain, the higher level of what we know. Sure. So, it's a combination of sound forms this is vibration, different vibration, something like we use a number for opening up uh, physical things. Similarly, the subtle, you know, subtle uh, world can be, certain windows can be, or certain level can be opened through using the, the sound patterns. Yeah. So a combination of sound patterns. Yeah. Which brings to mind Matthew. <laughs> Matthew and his wife, uh, Christine, uh, they are currently uh, traveling the length and breadth of India, uh, walking. And they're walking with the Saint Sri M. 
And um, maybe I should have Matthew say a few words. It's called the walk of hope. But this walk of hope is not just some common stroll. This walk is, is a blessing to humanity uh, that is sanctioned by the great masters and uh, instructed by the great masters that this other saint, Sri M, take this walk and these blessed souls. And this walk is a walk of purification, a walk of, of illumination uh, that Matthew and his wife are, are fully engaged in. Uh, these are really, really significant things. This, this is like a Maha pilgrimage that they're taking. And this walk is not just for themselves. This walk is a walk going from sacred place to sacred place. From uh, This pilgrimage is a pilgrimage that is purifying the body and the psyche of humanity of humanity itself. These things are going on. And uh, Matthew and his wife are, are participants in this great uh, practice. Now, this is what I talk about. They saw the opportunity. They saw something significant. They had some spiritual sensitivity, so they engaged in it. But do they have to leave behind the family? Yes. Do they have to put their jobs in jeopardy? Yes. But are they doing something that is tremendously significant that's going to have spiritually historical uh, ramifications in the body of man? Absolutely. There, you know. So may, could you turn the camera a little bit towards Matthew? So he can say a little bit about his journey. To just, there should be a way to rotate the camera. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. This is Matthew. He's from Kerala. And he and his wife are, are on this journey. So he can tell you a little bit about you know, walking with Sri Yam and hearing all the satsangs and going from sacred spot to sacred spot in India. <laughs> so let's talk. Well, he's paying the price of admission. How you found out about it, and, and uh, what your experiences are, have been. And... So questions? <laughs> Any questions about this this uh, yagna that he's on? This pilgrimage. Yeah. So, uh, actually, we practice uh, this masters of uh, yoga and the you know uh, all this Vedantic. Uh, masters, Vivekananda, Yogananda, their masters, Dikteshwar and Mahavda Babaji, who is the, the highest master. Now, so we've been connected with, you know, those masters and having a practice of self-realization fellowship. And, uh, and recently, uh, we got to know and now a living uh, disciple of the same masters in India. So other, all other masters already passed away. Physically, no, not, we cannot meet them. So, so this 3M who is connected to the same masters directly and went to Himalayas and learned all these uh, practices and the spiritual practices and 
so the master is uh, so guided him for to start this walk actually it was uh, 40 years ago so they instructed him to do this job 40 years ago when he was young and he was with the masters for learning all the yogic practices so that was when he was 20s now he's a 65 CM. so now at that time his master told him that one day he would be doing this walk which was 44 years ago the master told him you have to do it but he said no, i cannot do it so how can i do this but he said no you have to do it 44 years ago so now the last three years uh, this planning was going on to start this so the walk should be from Kanyagumari, the tip of uh, India all the way south then going all the way to north, Srinagar so then going through many different spiritual centers going through villages, a town and different places total 7500 kilometers kind of a 5000 miles approximately so we, we started that January uh, January 12, the, the, the birth date of Vivekananda. So, you know, <laughs> he is uh, is part of this thing there. You know. <laughs> so started you know that day from Kanyakumari, which is a tip of south tip of India. So been been walking every day like 20 miles, 20 kilometers, 30 kilometers, uh, meeting people and also welcomed by the local people to to the centers of different centers like temples and churches and schools and ashrams and also uh, all all different the religion different you know political people regardless of political religious and ethnics and it's kind of a everybody so the whole idea of the masters uh, is to make the unity of uh, Human, you know, human being, like they call Manu Ekata. Eka means one, Manu means humanity. So make the unity of whole humanity. So it has to start with, from India. So as a spiritual journey and make the unity, which will eventually will pass to the whole world. So that is the plan for the, maybe like maybe another hundred years, maybe. We don't know. But we have to put the seeds. That's what masters, you know, instructed him to go and put the seeds first. Mm -hmm. So all over India and establishing a system where modern, you know, science and ancient science and different, you know, religion, different community put together, show them, show the people that this is possible. So we are doing that. So very, very down to earth, you know, just walk, walk, walk. But nowadays we can use workers to go all the places but we masters told them told him to do this because we have to be completely down to earth with you just walk and meet people so then we've been doing that it's very successful <laughs> so we already did uh, almost 4000 kilometers 4000 kilometers which is kind of 2000 500 miles so just past the half half of India mm. actually you know from all the way to south to north if you go straight it is only 2,000 miles mm. but this is 
the way we go different spots and all the way to the west then half of the place like in you know, the south north then we passing from here to here uh, from west to east yes. all the way from west to east then again going so that's uh, that's what is going on the whole idea is to uh, kind of a, based on the spiritual you know the spiritualizing the the whole uh, uh, country so India definitely is a spiritual place but this is making it more public because we are not you know like a sannyasis or the just like a mundane uh, usual people which was not happened you know in India or anywhere all those monks or the gurus or masters you know they used to do this one for thousands of years they've been doing that but now they're saying that okay they did it but now let it goes to let the let uh, normal Body of man work yeah walk yeah just let you know usually you know, like common man let them also have an opportunity to do this one so so this is the first time historically this is the first time maybe a few thousand years this is the first time this happened mm -hmm. uh, 2000 years ago maybe you know buddha 2500 year, years ago did, did the same thing uh, with monks and you know the disciples then Shankaracharya, you know, another you know, great saint, did this whole route to establishing certain centers. Then the modern time, Vivekananda did it. Yeah. <laughs> Vivekananda did it, uh, that route. So that's what we are following now, uh, where Vivekananda did it. So then we are following that. But Vivekananda also part of Swami or Masters, you know, part of that group. But now we are doing it like a common man. Let common people come join. So that is assignment given to Sriyam, our leader now, as a guide, as a master, uh, guided by the the masters, the great masters. So now it is happening. And, uh, what type of reception do you get? We, you know, the last few months. Great, great, great reception, you know, everybody was a flower, people throwing flowers all over, you know, mm -hmm. and people come from village area, but now we are going through the village place, the center of India, where the Madhya Pradesh, you know, which is, which means the center, and that area is, doesn't have that many towns, but most of the people are farmers and villages, they all come in up bringing flowers and throwing flowers everywhere, full of you know, mm -hmm. flowers everywhere. It's a big reception. Now it, we became the state, uh, you know, Madhya Pradesh, that state. Uh, we are the guest of the state guests. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so everywhere, security, the police, and there is a lot of people you know, taking care of the first great thing going on now. But when we started and it was very low. But even though we, we were like in 100 people, but it was kind of very, we did not give that much, you know, uh, marketing or <laughs> oh, not much news and all. But now naturally, you know, people been talking, keep talking and national TV. And when we enter, enter the Gujarat, where, where the place of uh, the Prime Minister, the, the village of, you know, the state of Prime Minister, Narendra Modi. Mm -hmm. So when we entered his state, he called us, welcoming us. <laughs> then all the state, you know, dignitaries, they all are, you know, engaging. 
but you know, <laughs> but they don't walk, you know. <laughs> they just come in few hours. <laughs> they spend time, you know, few hours. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but then we keep walking. Where do you sleep? Are you tense? You know, actually, the, uh, you know, that is another interesting thing. We cannot imagine that is going to happen in this country. We, mm. we, we, we may not get an idea. Because in India, a secret infrastructure, all over India, that is based on the spirituality, a spiritual uh, group of people, different than you know, like a Buddhist or Jain or Christian or Hindu ashrams and different different places it's already there mm -hmm. so we just go there and they just welcome us like you know we are like you know something you know? <laughs> yeah, the centers are always open to pil for pilgrims yeah. oh, okay. so all the temples and all the ashrams and all the churches open their doors for people who are sincere pilgrims so that you can you can stay you don't have to have your of these that are staying in this place and this place. No, they open the doors because they see the sincerity and the spirituality of what you're doing. Oh, nice. And it's just, it's natural. It's, it's, it's completely natural. And they feed you? Oh, absolutely. There are some places, you know, amazing places every day. Thousands of people will pet. People every day, they, they feed thousands. When we go 100 people, for them, we are nothing for them. <laughs> you just go, okay, just go have lunch or there or dinner there. I mean, we go there, hundreds of people in all the maybe thousand people having food there. So that 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 is everyday thing, not because of us. There are places like that, spiritual centers. Every day, there is one place, ten thousand, uh, ten thousand uh, school kids. They are taking care of ten thousand kids in one center. Huge place. Yeah. Where we go there, you know, like hundred people for them, it's nothing. A few hundred people, you know, it's usual for them in many places. But some some places, you know, we don't get the, uh, because of the distance from some area, some area. But especially in the place where we are now, we are going uh, town to town. All these facilities, this more distance than we can walk a, a day, which is like twenty kilometers. That is our plan. So sometimes like three, uh, three days from one place to another place. Then we have to manage that one. That is because we are hundred people. Otherwise, maybe ten people or in a family or few people, there will be you know enough space for you know, every ten kilometer or twenty kilometer there will be. But because we are hundred people, and it is difficult uh, for a small temple or small area, they cannot take it. So that's why we are having little problem because of the mm -hmm. number of people. So what we do, uh, we stay in one place like two three days, then walking, then we have a, we just do a commute and start from there again, then like two or three days. Then we get another place next mm -hmm. next spot, and another two more two or three days. This is only happening in this area, the Madhya Pradesh area, where the distance town to town is like 50 kilometers. But when we started in you know, my home uh, state. It was every 10 kilometer, 5 kilometer people will be feeding us, welcoming, you know, because its whole state is full of, you know, towns, small towns. Mm -hmm. so. so, part of the point is, is that, you know, here Matthew is sitting and he and his wife are quietly sitting there, but they, they are living this divine journey. 
You know, they are actually in the service of saints and masters. And they're sitting there quietly, you would never know. See? And what I want you guys to acquire is to acquire a type of spiritual sensitivity where you can spot these people and say, well, I don't know who that person is, but I feel something special. Let me go talk to them. See? You get that awareness and you can you can sort of seek these people out because they're doing something hugely spiritually significant. I, I mean, huge. It's huge what they're doing. You know, they're, they're part of a, a spiritual history. Um, uh, this is, this is an, an action that's sanctioned by the great masters. So anybody that can be involved in that journey, immense spiritual karma. Immense. It's, it's not a small thing. Um, they're, they're making an immense contribution to humanity. So the door is open for everyone to do that. But you have to pay. They had to turn their lives upside down in order to extract themselves from family, extract themselves from jobs, you know, and, and then to the physical tapasya of literally on foot walking the length and breadth of India. That is not an easy thing to do. On your foot, walk the length of India. But you're seeing every village, every town, every temple, and there's prayers being done every day in all of these places. And it's not prayers just for their benefit, it's prayers for the body humanity. They're doing it for humanity. They're taking... For, for every individual that's walking is representing a huge body of humanity. So maybe one person's walking, that person's representing, you know, X amount of millions of people who that blessing will flow from that soul to these all these other people. And all of these are humble people. They're, they're just regular people, you know, who, who have a deep spiritual inclination, who are standing in as our proxies for this great tapasya, this great walk of humanity through the sacred places of India. They're our proxies. So we have one sitting here, he and his wife. So the, the thing is, you're always so much closer to spirituality than you are aware of. But unless you're asking the questions and seeking the answers, you won't know. You won't notice these people, you know. I often say, well, how do you, how do you know, how can you find uh, the most advanced uh, souls in a room? So some Guruji is there. Well, how do you find the advanced disciples, the, the ones that have their mouths shut and are most useful? Those are the ones who are, who are, who are dynamically involved in the spiritual process, who have some deep awareness. You know, if you look over here, you, you see Fong. Put that on Fong for a minute because I'm doing it for historical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> that, that girl over there, that's a disciple. Her mouth is shut and she's always busy doing something positive. You know, she, she's been with me in the past, birth after birth. She'll be with me in the future, birth after birth, until her completion. See? Quiet. You'd never know. You know, get next to those people. Get next to them. Ask them questions. Find out about their values. Find out what they're doing. You know, 
they're humble. You have Nick Warren sitting over there, high-born yogi. I'll tell you what the difference between Nick Warren and Hari Charan is. Nick Warren whispers, Hari Charan yells. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, you got a, you've got a genuine yogi in the house. Are, are our styles a little different? Yeah. But is the hearts the same? Yeah. You know, would you know to get next to them? Probably not, because they're quiet. You know, get next to these people. You know, ask them questions. You know, examine their lives. You know, look to see how they're living, what their engagement is. Is he a family man? Yes. Has he been a professional? Yes. Is he a deep yogi? Absolutely. You know, would you know it? Probably not. Why? Because his mouth is shut. <laughs> See? But you have to learn, you know, that guy, his eyes are sparkling, you know, and he's present. Let me go talk to them. See, that's the thing. In the satsang room, you don't know who you're sitting with. You don't know the spiritual histories of the people who are around you, you know. But think about it, you know, that everybody in the room has been called by God, and everyone here is at different levels of of their own interpersonal realization. You know, look around, you know, look for the humble ones and get next to them, get next to them, you know. So there's other, there's other ones, you know, in this room that are very uh, significant. Um, that, you know, don't take anything for granted. Anytime you're around a real Dharma teacher, don't take anything for granted. You know, th there's always so much more going on than you are aware of. Um, it, it's, it's a divine convention. You, you don't even aware that in these talks, various subtle consciousnesses come and participate and come and listen and come and bless. You don't, you know, the room is full of these divine entities that come. You don't know, which is amazing to me, you know. You're, you're, you're sitting with the angels and you don't even know it, you know. And I want you to know it. I, I want you to have the joy of that. So the thing is, you've got the karma. You, you, you have this opportunity. Don't waste it. Don't waste it, you know. And then you, you see the people who, like, like Matthew and his his wife Christina, who are who are taking these bold steps, you know. So so maybe today you can't take that bold step, but maybe tomorrow you can. See, you always have to step out of your comfort zone. There's, they don't know where, where they're going to sleep from one night to the next night. Where they're going to sleep, in what condition. How many of us would do that? Or what kind of the bathroom facilities, you know? Someday you have a bathroom, someday you have the open field. You know? That's past a lot of people's comfort zone. But, you know, that's what it is. Sometimes I like 50 people having only two toilets. Yeah. That's a very basic toilet and 50 people, you know. Yeah. You have to get up in the morning early, like 3 o'clock, mm. and uh, the walk starts by 5. Mm. So we have to finish it so people get up like 2 o'clock, 2.30, <laughs> 3, just using only two toilets, you know. 
So then you have to be finished by everything had to be finished by four, four thirty, then start walking by five. So it's very yeah. tough. Very tough. Yeah. But but this is what it is. You know, this is this is this is the path. You know. My Guruji would say, approach God, come what may. See? Don't don't say God, it has to be this way, it has to be that way. I only do this. No, 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 no. Approach God, come what may. Whatever the circumstances, just take your next step north. Whatever the circumstances, take your next step north. Don't try to control anything. You don't have control. Everything that you're doing, every step that you're taking is a step into greater purification. See? Greater self-awareness. So just take your step north and accept it. See? Accept it. That's, that's what you have to do. You know, pay the price, you know, and, and bit by bit, your world will expand beyond your common small box. You know, you'll be, you'll be living this unimaginably dynamic interpersonal life, you know. And uh, the, the, the mysteries of life will be answered within your own heart and your own, your own psyche, see? The great mysteries will be answered. You'll be a participant in sort of this wonderful web of God, a conscious participant. See, so that's the opportunity that you have now. You have it now. It's it's really, really, really hard to get it in your minds, and I, I know this personally. That that all of a sudden you realize, wow. I really have those opportunities? Is that really real? Is that possible? Because we don't think it's possible. We hope it's possible, but we don't think it's possible. So, but it's happening now for you. You now have tremendous opportunities. You now can learn deep sciences. It's just what level of commitment, what level of honesty, you know, do you want to engage the kingdom. See, it, it, it always comes upon you where heaven will give you the choice and it's up to you to choose. You must choose God. You must choose the journey. You must choose to labor. See, we're not going to force you, but we will give you the opportunity, see, so that you can make the choice. Normally you have the choice between this man's dream and that man's dream. Profoundly unfortunate. Now you have the, the choice between the dream of man and the way of the kingdom, see, the way of the saints. You have that opportunity. So, so you go for it. And ask the questions, you know, show up at the door, you know, do what it takes lovingly, intelligently, thoughtfully, you know. You'll know, you'll know for yourself, you know. You know, you will strip a lot of the common nonsense of man and the, the frivolousness, I need this, I want this. When you take these journeys into consciousness, so much of what we thought we needed entirely unnecessary. Just like they're walking from town to town, day to day. There's no common bed, no common toilet. They sleep where they, they stop. They stop in this town, that's where they're sleeping. They stop on the road and there's no other town, that's where they're sleeping. 
Accept it. Accept it in the glory of God. See? Accept it in the glory of God. The beginning that was a difficult thing yeah. since we've been living here. And yeah. it's really extreme difference, you know, from here and yeah. there. Even people, those who, local people living there, for them also it is difficult to yeah. go the way we, we are traveling now. So it was so difficult when we go from here, having a lot of facility, then suddenly landing there and having no facility, right. completely no. It was tough for the beginning, but, yeah. but we have to. This is a great mission, yeah. a historical mission and designed by the masters. So we, we are sure about that one. That is the, the energy behind us where we just go doing what masters want to establish. Yeah. A, a kind of a unity of you know, humanity for the whole world and start with this in India first. Yeah. Like putting seeds. Yeah. So we, we became part of that <laughs> planting <laughs> seeds. Yeah. So it takes some time to uh, grow and uh, so that is experience. Outside when I came the sparrows were chirping and eating and so you're living the uh, gospel of the sparrows yeah. <laughs> that were cared for. Yeah, like St. Francis. <laughs> See so that, that I understand. So, so that's the thing you know it's it's really amazing to find out that holy mackerel I'm in the company of people that actually know something about the kingdom that actually are servants of the kingdom you know it it it, it is mind-blowing or or people who have been disciples for many 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 births and who are struggling towards their liberation you know it's, it's mind-blowing to, to realize that you're in that company and you're in that circumstance and that you have that opportunity. It's really hard to get your mind wrapped around it, that you have that opportunity. You know? But it is what it is. That, that is the opportunity that, that you have. That is the circumstance you know, that, that we're in. It, it, like when I was younger, you know, I was, I was very fortunate. I was around saints and, and high yogis and my master. And sometimes they would talk about my future. And I was like totally shocked. It's like my attitude was, who, me? Who, me? And then sometimes I would jokingly, I say to my master, do you have the right portfolio? <laughs> you know, are you sure that you're talking about me? Because, you know, they would say things, and I would just shake my head thinking, not possible, no way, who, me? You know, what are you going to do? You know, because you, you come in with sort of your set consciousness, but you've got this big portfolio of, of past birth activities that you don't yet remember, that you just, you haven't embraced your past. It's like a person who has a tremendous piano skill, but they're not yet playing the piano. So when someone says you have the real real talent, you're thinking, what are you talking about? You know, That's what it's like. And then all of a sudden you start tapping away at the piano and all of a sudden you realize you're flying past everybody else in the class. 
And then you realize, oh my God, this is a type of virtuosity that I had hidden in me, that I didn't know about, that the teacher spotted. That's the situation we're all in. That you have a type of spiritual virtu virtuosity in you that you're here because it's present in you. And the teacher is spotting it. Now it's up to you to start doing the practice to bring it out. To bring it out. You have the karma to be in the room. So it means you're significant in terms of your ability. What's possible for you. See? Then it's a matter of do the work. You know, you've got sadhana over there that's got a heart of gold. <laughs> but she's, she's just like me, saying, who me? Who me? Who me? The girl's got a heart of gold. <laughs> so it's, she has all the qualifications. She just has to accept it. Accept that this is, she has this karmic past of a very noble, divine life. And then just find practical ways of engaging, 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 you know. But I understand that notion of who me, because I had exactly the same notion, like, who are you talking about? You know, I remember as a boy thinking that, like, no way. What are you going to do? And then you, I, I never started out, I never desired to be a Dharma teacher. It was never in my mind. Never. You know, you know, I would say, who me? What are you talking about? I'll be teaching and I'll know this and I'll... You know, but heaven, you know, you, you're born with a job, you know, and I'm just doing the job I was born for. That's it. You know, the, the, the karmas and the knowledge comes, and then you, you see this, the state of humanity. So you have all these tools, so it's just natural. It's like, oh, this person is suffering, oh, this person has this wound, so you, you apply the skills to, to leave the suffering. But when you're a boy, you don't realize you have all that. You know, you don't realize it, but it's in you. So we all have various talents. And the thing is to take our talents and engage them in the service of God. See? So my talents were in, you know, divine consciousness. You know, maybe I'm not that great a mechanic, but psychic, spiritual knowledge, because of past births, it was there. So, and you just, you, you do, this is where the humility, you do the job you're assigned, you know. So if heaven assigns me to sweep streets, I'll happily sweep streets. If heaven assigns me the job of teaching the Dharma and the inner sciences, I'll happily teach the Dharma and the inner sciences. It's, my attitude is whatever God wants, that's what I want. You know, you have to learn to be happy with that, you know. You do what you're told happily. You know, but the thing is also, like, sometimes people think, you know, see teachers and their chest is big and there's, everything is glorious around them. Anytime you see a teacher with pride, that's ignorance. It's real ignorance. Because I'm telling you the absolute truth now. The moment that you can start to see the glory of God the spectacular wonder, the infinite bounty of God, not, not possible to have pride. If you want to know the nature of true beauty, look to God. You know, true spectacular wonder, God. So how can this little pulp of a body 
you know, stick out its chest and think it's something special when I've seen that. See? See? When you see something like that, all you do is bow your head. All you do is bow your head. Because that is something of glorious God. We, we, this is all we can do. So, no problems staying like humble or a common man. You know, we all have to learn to have a, have a true insight, a true vision, so that we know it's worth serving and to keep our head bowed. See, there's no, I am special, I am big. No, I know the meaning of special. You know, I've seen what is beautiful. <laughs> you know, that is, that and that alone is, is special. That and that alone is beautiful. See, and then we just are engaged in the service of that. That great reality, see, see, just just to be associated is a divine wonder, a divine honor, see. So when you're when you're traveling through the world and you meet teachers, look for that, that they have that constant gaze of the kingdom in their heart and mind, and that constant service of that infinite splendid beauty. You know, you, you have no idea the beauty of what's there. You have no idea at all. It's, it's unimaginable. But that's what, that's your evolution. Your evolution is, is to know that personally, to see that personally, to participate in that personally. See, and like the, 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 this yagna, uh, that they're walking, this great sacrifice that they're doing, tapasya, pilgrimage, is bringing them that purity and that service to God, to have those experiences of the vision of God, the wonder of God, see? All those things, it seems simple, but it's very, very big. It's like pulling on the tail of a tiger. <laughs> you know? so, uh, okay, after four, almost like four months of walk, yeah. and we passed Bangalore, yeah. After Bangalore, like maybe second day, two two more days walking, suddenly we saw this place with uh, the master, you know, my Guruji sir, temple, uh, uh, some Kesavdas temple. Suddenly we saw this picture. Uh -huh. Oh, what is this? You know, it is a banner you know, of uh, Sant Kesavdas. Yeah. Then we, you know, I mean, other other people did not know about that, yeah. but we, me and Christine, because after coming here and spending time. So we always, you know, see the uh, Hadith Master. Mm. So just passing by, I saw this battle. Mm. So that was a center, you know, that that's Master's yeah. center. Yeah. So me and Christine just went inside. Suddenly, <laughs> I went inside and just made a round and come back to the walk again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then, yeah, just maybe like few minutes. So they all were asking asking us, what is that? Where where you been? You know. Mm. Then you know we told them. So this is our friend's Master, you know, who sent us with us. It's a, you know, it's a really yeah, a huge place. Yeah, just just side of the highway from Bangalore to going uh, north. Yeah. It's wonderful yeah. he met you. Hmm? It's wonderful he met you on the road. So that's what it is. That's interesting experience. Yeah. So we have this, you know, satsang and fellowship. You have the living opportunity to to meet saints, to serve saints, 
and to have that personal, intimate, mystical revelation. So the thing is just, even as unbelievable as it is, just accept that grace is, is, is active in your life now. Just accept it. You don't have to understand it. Just accept it, you know, that heaven is looking your way. You don't have to understand it. Most of my life, I haven't understood any of it. <laughs> I, but I, I have come to the point of just accepting it and then simply serving it. <laughs> See? So, you know, you're all doing really good things. You all have wonderful qualities. You know, we all have the work to do. So, just engage. You, you have good victor here. I jokingly say magnificent victor, victor the magnificent. You know, he's engaged helping children and everything. You know? Gina has come. Now you two have come. <laughs> You've come for a reason. You've come for a reason. Understand that. You have association with me for a reason. There's a whole line of masters and saints that I'm involved in that one day you'll become involved in. One day. As you qualify yourself, as you simply do the work, as you simply seek, as you simply practice, you'll, you'll come to your own greater and greater revelations. See? So, it's all a reason. You know? Reason for Fung, reason for you. Fung, the first time I saw her in Oakland, Immediately, I said a prayer. Oh, God, please, please bring this one. <laughs> Immediately, she didn't know, but I was praying like a maniac. <laughs> you, know, you know, because of the past life of working together, you know, there's the heart communion is, is immediate. Please, God, make sure she's awake and comes. <laughs> like that. So... You know, we have these divine associations that we move from birth to birth to birth, you know, and we, we, we do the work and you have to learn the craft and the culture of serving the saints. Not an easy job. It's a, it's a culture that you must learn, the culture of the saints. And there's a craft, there's a, a, a haridasa, how we serve God, how we serve the saints, see? There's a, there's a way to it. It's not just random, not at all. Guaranteed, not at all. There is a way. And that's, for those who want that, that's what I'll teach you, you know, is how to serve the saints, you know, how to be of use to the kingdom, you know, and, and that, is, that is your evolutionary journey, your evolutionary path. Any questions, ideas, notions that you'd like uh, discussed? See? <laughs> it's hard to believe. It's, hard, it's even hard to believe for me. <laughs> I would never have believed that I would have this kind of life when I was a boy. No way. I was a, just a regular boy like any other boy. You know? But, you know... Heaven's got its own, its will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have uh, something like this every day. 
Yeah, yeah three from, morning, like from 5 to uh, 12 o'clock the walking, mm -hmm. then we rest, then by 5 to 6 o'clock the, yeah. the satsang with yeah. the novel, you know, mm -hmm. master the 3 a.m. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people from local people also will join, <coughs> so, you know, like maybe 300, 400, sometimes 500, 1,000, you know, mm -hmm. satsang, you know, doing kind of a, you know, that each day will be mm -hmm. different in a subject. We won't be informed any subject, but he just did a comment, just, just to talk to the people with the feeling what, what kind of a people in that day, based on you know, his you know his feeling, he just speaks, speaks all his experience, and sometimes he talk about his experience with these masters. Mm. Yeah, now that's an you know, amazing uh, experience. It's unbelievable, you know. <laughs> The sad song is to wake you up, to make you come awake again, that's all. See? To, to, to make you aware of your own divine heritage. See? But you, you have to talk to people who have been shaken, and then shaken, and then shaken by God again. And then they're seeing more and more clearly. And then they, the, the teachers are, are just telling you their experience what they've seen in their journey so they've traveled a little further than you they're no different than you they've simply traveled further than you so they can tell you oh at this point this is what i saw and at this point this is what i saw so that you can know as you make your journey you'll see these you'll come across these same divine terrains these same divine experiences See, and then they say, well, when you get to this mountain, make sure you have these particular fitnesses, so do these particular practices, so that you'll be able to face the next body of challenges. See? It's the, it's, that's how it really is. It really is like that. Um, you, you will quietly live an extraordinary life. You will quietly live an extraordinary life. That's, that is what happens. You know? So, so set yourself up to become a das, meaning set yourself up to become a servant of the kingdom. You know, then you, you will, you will not have an insignificant life. You know, you will have, regardless of your circumstance, you will have a significant life. See, you maybe you won't be understood, <laughs> but you will have a, an extremely significant life. Okay, so we're just about ready to complete. And Nima's is after me. <laughs> so even the gurus have to take out the garbage. <laughs> Clean the dishes, take out the trash. This is life, what are you going to do? You know? But at the same time, we can, we can rest in the glory of God. And the next moment, we're taking out the garbage. What to do? <laughs> anyway. I think I've said everything I need to say this today. Are there any closing ideas or questions that you'd like uh, uh, discussed? No? Okay. Well, I think we were going to talk about asking if people can help out with them. Um, for example, the oh. YouTube. I have a couple of ideas, but in the interest of time, I'm thinking maybe I can talk about it after. Yeah. If anybody wants to come yeah. talk to me individually. Yeah, what uh, Sylvia is saying is we've got all of these different videos, this, the satsangs on tape. So we need people to view these things. You should be viewing them anyway. But um, We could talk about it like individually, though. 
Okay, I mean, yeah, I, after. I think. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll have a secondary discussion to see. Because you've got to get off your buns, you know. You should actively seek to do seva. Seva means service. That's how you learn, you know. You learn by serving the, the temples, the ashrams, the gurujis. You know, that's how you learn stuff. You know, get, get your hands in the soil. So uh, there's things that uh, people can do to help uh, uh, further uh, the work that God is doing through me. Um, again, it's like anything. You choose, but choose action. <laughs> You know, choose action. Choose to be involved. You'll learn so much more. You'll grow so much more. You know, there's no such thing as people like me sitting on our hands. We're, we are living verbs. You know, we don't sit on our hands ever. You don't even realize, even in our dreams, we pray for you. You have no idea. Even in our dreams, we wake up praying for you. Not, not just, you know, this time and this time. It's not like that. So that's what that's the kind of thing. Do seva, do seva, do seva. You know, find a way to make sure the teacher is well. Make you know, that's your job. The, the, the teacher becomes a proxy, um, so that you learn how to serve the greater and greater mahatmas, greater and greater souls. But you start with what God gives you. So God gives you the teacher. You learn to serve the teacher, and then over time, you know, you learn to serve the greater and greater and greater kingdom. That's how it works. That's how it works. See? So, what we'll do is we'll chant Om again three times, and then we'll close, and then Sylvia can uh, give you some ideas of, of, of how you can be of assistance. Okay, again, as always, the spine is, is made erect. Take a deep breath in.